talk. Welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much and today I'm here with my friend Stallone who um, is a director and he works in the New Zealand film industry so I'll just start off as usual and get him to introduce himself. Alafalava, my name is Stallone Waiaonga Yuasa, Samoan, born here in New Zealand, uh, villages of uh, Tuamua and Puipa'a and I am a, yes, a filmmaker. I've uh, been working in the film industry since, I guess you could say, 2015, 2016. So still relatively new to this, but I've been working in the sort of the screen industry since I left university. Um, after I did a law and arts degree and decided not to be a lawyer. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's me. And I guess at this very point in time, I have four self-funded, self-distributed feature films uh, under my belt. Uh, Three Wise Cousins, Hibiscus and Ruthless, Take Home Pay, and Mama's Music Box. Awesome. So, um, how has it been, like, what was your journey into film? Um, yeah, can you just explain a bit about that? Um, I guess my interest in film started probably in my final year uh, at high school. Um, and yeah, I think I, I just, no one in my family is, works in the media or any sort of creative industry. So I had really nothing to go on other than I'll maybe go to university. Um, uh, so I was thinking, I think, South Seas um, uh, Film and Television School at the time. It's a one year intensive course and pretty much it's probably one of the main ways that people get into the industry. But I remember my teachers at the time uh, advised against going for that they said oh look it's, it's awesome you know what you want but you need a backup plan so you know you should try university see if you can mix the two with something else that is a, a safety net um, and it was really good advice you know it was really practical advice safe advice um, and you know I, I, I didn't I didn't think I needed enough research into how the industry works you know how do you get paid or um, is it is it a, it's not really a career ladder as such um, it's definitely a who you know uh, getting onto the right gigs and working from the ground up, which is the way you know a lot of uh, people in the industry have have worked. So I went to University of Auckland, did a film and arts television major for my Bachelor of Arts, but I did a conjoint of law. So my game plan at the time was to become a lawyer, make lots of money, and then on the side make film. Um, but by the end of um, my university, on uh, my final year, actually, uh, I had a I had a guest lecturer. It was actually the judge who presided over. Um, the Sioni's wedding piracy case, <laughs> um, and he gave you know, he gave some really good advice. He said, um, you know, all of you guys are going to be lawyers, so that means your life is you wake up, you read, you go to work, you read, before you go to bed, you're reading. I remember sitting there going, I hate reading. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you telling me this now, five years into my degree? <laughs> um, yeah, and I just knew, you know, uh, all my uh, classmates, they were all, you know, going for internships, doing the going the route that you're supposed to go in order to get a, a job at a, at a law firm or whatever. Um, but it just wasn't for me. You know, I knew I could do it, but I just didn't, I didn't have it. I really struggled with just that, the desk, the desk job uh, type mm -hmm. thing. Um, I think I'm more hands-on, more kinesthetic. Uh, so after that, I actually um, managed to get a job at uh, Tangata Pacifica. Uh, 
uh, through Lisa Talma. They were looking for new blood. So uh, she, she knew I was into screen and I managed to get onto there to start directing some stories. And it was really good. It was a really awesome, safe way, uh, supportive way to, to get into industry, to learn the ropes. Um, and from there, yeah, I, I realized I, I've been freelancing ever since. So I haven't, had, I haven't been an employee of any company since I left, since I finished university. I've freelanced since, uh, that means um, I only work when there's work. And if there's no work, then um, mom, can I have some food? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to make film, but it's taken a, a long time to actually make it. And I think because I had so much more to learn, you know, I was very just naive at the start about what it takes to be a filmmaker. Um, you know, I see, I guess I see other f- young filmmakers with the same mentality that, you know, you call yourself a director, you show up on set and then you magically become a director mm-hmm. <laughs> without realizing um, that's, you know, there's a lot of groundwork, there's a lot of craft you have to learn. And it's sort of the downside of being self-taught is that you make a lot of mistakes um, and you learn from your mistakes. Whereas if you were, if you could be on a set and you could see a director at work, you could see how a crew works. Um, then you will, you're less likely to make those mistakes. You, you just know, you know, the way films are made have, have been refined over a hundred years, you know, since the beginning of cinema. And so that, you know, that production model is very, um, uh, what's the word? It's, it's refined, it's efficient, it's rigid, uh, it's resilient. Um, there are definitely ways you can work through it. There are definitely downsides to it in terms of the hierarchy, but there's a reason why films are made the way they are. So uh, it wasn't until 2014, because I had a dream, oh, by the time I'm 21, I'm going to make a feature film. But every time I turned, then I turned 21, I went, oh, you know what, 20, 23, got to 23, oh, 25. <laughs> so I kept procrastinating and finally got to 30. I was like, nah, it's now or never. And so Three Wise Cousins um, was really a, a te- final test because I said, oh, I'm an aspiring filmmaker. But I, how can I say I'm a filmmaker if I never actually make a film? You know, how do I know it's actually for me if I don't actually do it? So it was a final test for me to see if this is really what I want to do and to have no regrets. You know, I can rather than going through life going, oh, if I had just made that film, I could have been something. But at least if I made the film and realized, you know what, I am really, I really suck. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to improve then. Cool. At least you can find a, a different path. You know, maybe that path wasn't for me. But Three Wise Cousins uh, turned out really well. Um, it broke down a little barriers, a lot of barriers mm. uh, for me, um, and commercially did really well, which is what set us up for the path that I'm on right now, which is being able to be a full-time filmmaker mm. through to, to to go down such a path. Mm. Um, how? Because there's not many um, Pacifica filmmakers. Why do you think that is? Um. There aren't many Pacific filmmakers because this is a capital intensive uh, craft. Um, it's, a, it's a flash way of saying it costs a lot of money. It's a very expensive canvas to paint on. Um, uh, Spike Lee got asked this question back in 1989, I think, with uh, his first film, Do the Right Thing. You know, they were, Why are there so many African-American music artists, but not many film uh, filmmakers of African-American descent? And the answer is still true today, which is, you know, it costs a lot of money. And having access to that money uh, requires being in a certain circle of people, <laughs> uh, being uh, privy to certain things, and just you know uh, having to um, shake the right hand, so to speak. 
Um, and so for me, I always knew I could, it was going to take a lot of work to break mm-hmm. into sort of the funding and get it there. So Three Wise Cousins was self-funded and I, because I just wanted to prove I had the skill set to make a feature film. So it's sort of like, I make this feature film, then I can go for funding and I have a, a track record. Um, and I knew I could pull it off. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you just, you know, I'm looking at the craft and I go, look, I don't need 50 people to make this film. I just need, uh, you know, it's better. I, a lot of new filmmakers, you know, they had their crew up and they got 20, 25 people for their short film or whatever. But having 20 people who are who are just there to have lunch and who don't have much much initiative <laughs> um, uh, it is really taxing and probably does more harm um, harm than good. Whereas having take I was with three wise cousins, it was five on the crew and my parents. That was it. And you know we were all trust each other. I trusted their opinion. Uh, I listened to them when they were providing constructive criticism, and they were reliable. And I knew they had my back. You know, uh, and so I would take them over you know, a million dollar crew any day. Um, so that's hard thing with um, filmmaking is that costs so much money. It's getting cheaper now. I mean, you can make a film on your iPhone. And, <laughs> I have. And are, yeah, and it is. And it's, you know, so it's only a question of uh, story, you know, um, creativity and discipline. I think a lot of filmmakers just need a bit more discipline in terms of setting dates, meeting them. You know, um, you could have all the talent in the world, but you know, we've seen, I've seen it myself. You know, a lot of great people, great talent, but if you don't show up on time, if you're not reliable, then you can't be part of the team. You know, mm-hmm. that's just uh, it's it's time and money wasted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, also filmmaking is a team. It's a team endeavor. Uh, you know, you need really good people, uh, people you can rely on. A lot of times, we hear stories where. Oh, we didn't film today because uh, you know my um, my cameraman dropped out, or you know, or so and so forgot these props, or the, the gear broke because they left it in their car because they've been drinking. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's all the some of these small things where you know you just need to be surrounded by good people, reliable people, um, and you just got to know the craft. It's it's a long production line. You know, it's um, from the writing to casting the right people to actually filming and organizing you know if you've ever had to organize someone's birthday imagine doing that at twice the speed of half the budget and every day you know 10 hours a day for seven days 14 21 days straight <laughs> you know that's that's what it is it's really event it's kind of like event management with a camera <laughs> yeah um what brought you to make your first film like because I understand that you wrote it and directed it and basically helped film it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like what? Like how did the first? Um, can you just explain for the audience, like a breakdown of what your first film was about and what brought you to that tell that story? Uh, Three Wise Cousins is about this guy called Adam who falls for a girl called Mary. But Mary only wants to go out with a real island guy. So Adam, realizing he's sort of a bit plastic, decides to go visit his cousins in Samoa to learn how to be a real island guy. So that's the that's the premise of Three Wise Cousins and it's about his journey. You know, it's a coming of age story. Uh, it's about finding your own culture. Um, I chose it because it was comedy. Um, it was a story that could take place in Samoa. If there's one awesome decision I made was to film 
and some or wants to go take a story there and um you know that just resonated with the people um at that time 2016 when the film came out very few specific films ever on screen probably prior to that was the orator um and that was in 2011 mm-hmm. um but the story uh, a lot of uh, it just worked in terms of i could do it on a small budget i was within my skill set um also i found it was something that was a, a, a story that was relevant to pacific people and in particular pacific youth you know people my age i think 30 is still young um (laughs) and so um yeah and i just felt oh you know i found it was comedy that that would resonate my people you know at the time it was still uncertain you know still that sense of you know would this work especially with comedy you you know straight away whether it works or not um and i had a really clear idea who the audience was you know, I didn't try to make this for everyone, for a big, broad audience or for a Pakeha audience or mainstream. And this is for my people. If I can't win them over, then, mm, you know, what can I do, you know? Uh, so uh, that that story, um, I think, really sit well with uh, across Pacific generations. You know, youth uh, could, could see some of the struggle that he was going through, trying to find his culture. Uh, the elders loved it because it was, you know, it was a family story. You could take the whole family and everyone could enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. There are some jokes there that just, just sit just above the young people's heads, just enough but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for the old people to enjoy. And just seeing the island on screen, I think that's one thing I didn't expect, um, especially when the film got to like the United States and the grandparents could finally point to something on screen and say to their grandchildren, hey, I did that. I had to go to the river to get the water. I had to make the fire when I was eight years old. Why are you complaining about the dishwasher? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a it was a, a story that um, could sit with across all generation. Nice. How how has it been um, working in the New Zealand? Like, can you describe what it's like working in the New Zealand film industry, especially being one of the few um, Pacifica filmmakers? Mm-hmm. Um, working in the New Zealand film industry is, um, in a word, uncertain. You know, uh, it's it's not. If you're starting out on this, you kind of need a side hustle. You know, honestly, sorry, a real job. <laughs> film is your side hustle. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and in, in different aspects. If you're, I mean, look in New Zealand, around on average, maybe five, six feature films get made a year. Mm. And that's funded films. Um, so it means if you're a director. You know, think about how many directors there are trying to get a film made here in New Zealand. It's really hard to process to go through. Um, you know, that a lot of directors work on different things. They work on TV, they work on ads, they might be teaching. You know, they might be, uh, you know, have a, 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 a day job. This is their, their side hustle. Um, so if you want to get into the industry knowing which part of it there are many different things if you are more crew um if you are working stunts um if you work in maybe art design or production or you're making the sets costumes makeup you're more likely you know still hard to get into the industry still got to pay your dues and work your way in but there's more chance of getting work in that sense um but you know being a cameraman uh sorry being a director of photography uh, sort of the big HO or the head of the heads of department. It's, it takes a while to get there. Um, in terms of getting into the industry, the main way is people will make a short film, get noticed, 
have a sort of track record then get a producer to maybe produce their film an experienced producer um so uh Toshita Masushi is a good example of that uh he 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 directed the orator and 1000 ropes and so he he partnered with a producer called kind of Catherine Fitzgerald who helped you know she had a big track record experience and she had to vouch for him even though he was a new director so they went back and she made a short film to show that he had the skills and then from that they could get the funding from the New Zealand Film Commission to make um the orator which is an amazing film um and so that's sort of the general pathway for a director and it takes years it takes years i think it's one thing that it doesn't get said often from someone having an idea to the film being actually released 5 plus years in per film so that's um in terms of paying the bills if you go out with someone who has lots of money <laughs> that's one way <laughs> well yeah um it's 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 not a 9 to 5 job uh of being able to you know call in sick or anything like that it, it's a hustle um you have to really love this or love some part of it um to to really stick it out i run i in terms of being able to pay my bills you know each film has to break even at least mm. you know that's a huge gamble um otherwise it's oh sorry kids no christmas this year yeah <laughs> you know um and so i i i know the path i'm on is very risk um high risk yeah and if it doesn't work well that kind of that ends the ends the run you know there are other ways i can i have to go find a real job so right now you know just hanging in there you know uh without films um but you know i really believe in what i'm doing you know i'm proud of what i do and that i don't compromise it yeah to, you know, okay you know, i don't compromise hey this is a for my specific audience i think it can go broader you know i've seen bilingual people come into our films and just be really surprised you yeah. know because they didn't know what to expect or how to connect with it Yeah. So yeah. making is hard. Um have a day job when you're starting out. That's my advice and just learn the craft. You got to if you can't film something on your phone, having a flash camera is not going to change. Yeah. Um so why do you think like I I think that's one of the things that makes us human, right? Is the fact that we make movies. Like mm-hmm. what do you think is so great about movies and storytelling and what makes a good movie? in your opinion um a good movie um when you're an audience member watching it you don't think about it you know you're just in there in the story the the the, the story uh the movie so well crafted that uh, it just manages to grab the audience and you're in there you identify with the characters you feel what they're feeling you don't know what's going to happen next you know that's that's a good film um and you want to know you know and you leave the film leave the cinema uh going wow that was a great experience i think escapism is the main thing for film that's uh when i make a film I, i want to entertain you know i can't make i can't match you know the an avengers film with all the explosions and car chases and superheroes and special effects so i have to uh i have to give the audience something that they can't get anywhere else you know an experience of why they're being able to laugh or a story that that's so close to them and they they really identify with um because when you go to the movies you pay the same price for avengers as you would for three wise cousins <laughs> you know so you uh for me it's really important to to give the audience something they can they can take home uh uh and it's, it has to be 
at the very least for, uh, for me you know not all films have to be comedy and uh, laugh out loud but i feel like the audience should should have a have an enjoyable experience yeah i think what i love about your art is that it shows um brown joy you know a lot of times when i'm studying anything to do with indigenous culture or um whether it's books or movies it's always like based on trauma where's your art it's it's like it shows like the joy that we can find being mm-hmm. part of a minority group or indigenous culture so i think that's why i love watching what you produce it's so different in that sense mm-hmm. um so i, I just, we're just gonna finish off just because um yeah i could sit here forever but <laughs> and listen to i just have to you have to say alone but um is there any advice for young people who I think you are thinking about going into film, especially if they're Pacifico, because it's so rare and there's so much pushback from our community when we want to go off the doctor yep. lawyer, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's um, when you're starting out, you have to you have to practice the craft. You know, it's it's just as you would practice a musical instrument, train for a rugby team. You know, filmmaking is, is no different if you really want to be good at this. Um, you can't just watch the behind the scenes director's commentary on your <laughs> of films and be like, okay, I know it now. Um, you know, it's a, it is a, it's a craft of organizing people and creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes you have someone who's really talented director has a great vision, but has very poor people skills. And so that production falls apart really quick or someone who is perhaps good with people skills but has no vision and so you know isn't really focused there's no idea of what the story is they just want to get it done and so you have to really have both um you have to have be good look after your your crew your cast i think especially as a pacific filmmaker that's key uh for, for me that's one of my deal breakers is that um it's the people over the film you know if if looking after the people means i have to make a film that is uh, below my expectations or what I wanted, then that's it. That's a price I'm willing to pay, you know. Um, uh, and I think it's important you look after your crew because they will always have your back. If, if your film fails and you have to make another film, they will come back to you because they, you know, they, they know you as a, you're a good person. And people always want to support someone who is a kind and tries, you know, you're not always going to uh, knock it out of the park each time. So my advice to young people is just to really practice parts of the craft being on camera sound is really important never compromise the sound <laughs> it's easier to fix good um, pictures bad pictures than it is to fix bad sound um, and practice the whole craft starting writing shooting casting editing and uh, sound mixing just all the post-production stuff because you can't if you don't you got to know everything you will know um, what each part of the production pipeline requires so yeah, I know it's a lot for new people coming on board, but that's that's what practice is for. You know, the more you do it, the less daunting it is. Mm. And, I, and I think, um, I think for me, it's just the whole thing of like what makes me ad- admire you. And you know, I know your sister is part of mm. your team as well. Um, you've both gone off the academic and what your what your mm. degrees were. Mm. And yeah, like, I think, what, yeah. how has that been? Because for me as a teacher, I teach. So um, mm. I'm always telling my kids to find their purpose or what they, and as long as it pays the bills, it's yeah. fine. But our parents want to think success is like 
the office though. Yeah, I mean the academic background has really is a strong foundation for what we're doing, especially in what is a high risk career, so to speak. Um, having the academic background, I know I think faster. <laughs> I think faster <laughs> on set. That's I don't not to put down those of them, but I just know you know. Um, and myself, my editor, who's a, a good friend of mine and a fellow filmmaker, when we're on set, we just process the information quickly. You know, we troubleshoot you know, that much faster. And not to say it's a show off, it's just that most people will probably reach the same conclusion, but sometimes they take ages to get there. And by ages, I mean like 10 minutes, <laughs> which is a long time. You know, it's um, being able to troubleshoot, being able to think think laterally. Um, uh, you know, the academic background just helps make you more resilient mentally. Um, I know a lot of people, I mean, when I think back to school and go, oh, when am I ever going to use this in life? Sometimes you're never going to, you know, need to know where the hyperbole curve thing intersects with the <laughs> line. But it's more about training your brain to just withstand pressure, mm. you know, force it, you know, that and that, that that's on set. You know, you're, spend, you're spending well, thousands of dollars an hour. You know, every decision you make is, is really important. You can't afford maybe some people can <laughs> can afford to make those mistakes um so when i think back to school i'm like you know i, I didn't like maths you know uh but i i'm glad i went through it because it just it's that resilience also touch typing that's one thing <laughs> learn to touch type <laughs> oh yeah you if you um yeah that just helps save a lot of time in the future if you can type fast i feel like our generation would know that though touch typing yeah yeah, um, you learned yeah, it, right? I, think, I don't know what that um, is. I, I had to learn it as an extra course at school, and I'm so glad I did. Because another island guy who was in the first 15, he said, you know what, the best thing I ever learned here was touch typing. So I made <laughs> sure I learn it. <laughs> when the guy from the first 15 who wasn't doing too well in school says touch typing is important, <laughs> I thought yeah. that should be honest. But yeah, so it's that. It's that. Um, uh, in terms of a practical skill, yeah, touch typing is, is important. Okay, cool. Um, so, what are so just to finish off? I know. Um, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> oh, it's all right. You did answer it, but I was just like, my my other part was like, how do you keep going, knowing that you know you're one of the few from our community because our community is quite safe in terms of what we can do as a community. There's only certain things you can do, and that's what frustrates me, especially when I look at our young people because they're so different full of different talents because the Pacifica you know they think unless they're doing well in math science that they're not the failures so how do you continue in a career where basically you're getting judged by our community thinking that you're you know are you okay (laughs) I mean it's I mean parents I guess they're coming from a a generation mentality where um of, of of stability you know that's what they're they're hoping for their children you know when they when they're pushing for those the usual jobs which is doctor lawyer teacher um what they should really add in there is engineer if you want money <laughs> you push your children into engineering that's that's why the maths is important <laughs> um uh, but uh, if you want to pursue this i i mean I get asked this all the time by parents and I say, look, um, you, your child is, if they're pursuing their passion, it's something they're ha- passionate about, 
they're gonna find a way to make money out of it you know that's what being an entrepreneur is um and and it's there but you just got to give them the space and the support to be able to, to to crack to crack through it i mean my parents were on the fifth set well they've been on the set of all my films yeah <laughs> you know, they're still people. they're still there and they're, they're really helping and um i think the advice my mom gave me was you know whatever you do just don't be lazy with it you know don't mm-hmm. uh, don't be half-assed uh you're going to commit commit to it fully and so uh, i think that's really good advice when you put that onus back on uh on your child to say look i'll put a roof over your head food on the table but you need to make sure if this is what you're passionate about improve it because there are some who would say i'm really passionate about music or whatever but then just practice one hour before the gig yeah. <laughs> um so you know if uh, and it's also important that just because there aren't any other islanders in there doesn't mean you shouldn't be in there you know mm. sometimes you know, we're going into a, a, a very non-pacific um industry or job or you know um that uh, you're there you're there not because you're pacific or, um you're there because you're passionate about your craft mm. and people respect you they might not like you <laughs> but they don't ever give them the opportunity to say that you aren't good at what you do Mm. So that's why it's even when you go into those sort of spaces and you have those sort of challenges you have to be really on to what you do you know they can yeah. hate you all you want and it'd be one that's who don't like me you don't like the fact that three wise cousins cracks it you know and that all the other films which cost millions of dollars still make less than what these group of islanders put together with their parents <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's what i'm saying you know just be really good be really um in terms of the creative arts it's a cross between commerce and art so you know you're trying to sell your art for money that's you know that's be brutally honest that's what you're trying to do so you got to really focus on your audience whether it's a music audience or theater or you know selling crafts or arts or whatever you know think about your audience um and cuz that's that that's the key to making money you know um and you can buy your parents a house and then they can complain about something else <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes we know our parents for the love yeah for the love and you know oh thank you so much Dylan, for giving up your time today um i know that my audience would love more but i know you've got a meeting soon so um yeah um all the best and we'll keep in touch um, well, thank you very much uh new my pleasure to be here all the best of the podcast i'll probably be back at your school giving another talk <laughs> i think i'm due yes yes, yes yes please yeah we, we still have your poster up at school yeah. um, <laughs> anyway yeah thank you and thank you to my um my listeners for joining us for today and please catch us at our next episode of you talk too much i love it talk, talk. Thank you.